This week's episode of Aussie Tech Ads is brought to you by Start New Company. Register your company immediately today with ASIC. ABN, TFN, GST registration is also available directly from the portal. Also set up your family trust and self-managed superannuation fund and more. All at startnewcompany.com.au. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash startnewco and keep an eye out for our regular specials. Start your new company now within 10 minutes of lodgement. All legal company documentation provided after registration. startnewcompany.com.au. Also brought to you by aghwebhosting.com.au. All our servers are operating on SSD drives, immediate activation, SSL certificates, Aussie support, domain registration, and more. Easy install WordPress, Joomla, Drupal, and 300 other one-click installations. Generous space and bandwidth, auto backups, WordPress help and maintenance plans are also available on contact. If your webpage is important for your business or your life, contact us today. Aussie support, secure services, aghwebhosting.com.au. And now for the show. Welcome to episode 701 of the Aussie Tech Heads, recorded on the 5th of November, 2020. I'm your host, Jason Oakley. This is my co-host, Will Tompkinson. Hey, Will. Hey, mate. 701, you, you say. 701, wasn't that a brilliant episode last week? We had so many people on. The champagne was <laughs> flowing. There was popcorn and canapes and and then we started, horse And then we started the show. And then we started the show. <laughs> and you missed all of that. That's it. Early. You believe we made it this far? It's been so many years. Oh, it's been nuts! Absolutely. It's uh, <laughs> and the, we still don't know what we're doing. <laughs> What's new? <laughs> Tell you what, it was an interesting weekend. Yeah, I heard you had a bit of trouble up your end. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Um... You had a, had a bit of wind up there, was there? <laughs> it? Wasn't the wind? It was the stones that were the problem. Ah, oh, kidney. Yeah. So that's this is one of those large tennis balls that you, you know, the novelty ones you play with your kids and your dogs and whatever. These are about ten centimeters across, so it's a good reference. That's about the smallest hailstones that we had. Jeez, dude. They went from that up to I saw I think I saw like seventeen centimeters, which is you know almost two. Of and these. they say they do it big in Texas. They got uh, nothing on you. Apparently, too, it wasn't just the fact they were massive. They were 40,000 foot. Um, they're coming from 40,000 foot instead of normally half that. So they were traveling quicker, but yep. because the atmosphere was colder, they were much more solid. So when they were hitting concrete, they weren't shattering. They were hitting concrete oh. and bouncing. Jeez. So when they hit a roof, they didn't just bounce off the roof. They went through the roof. Oh, I hope so, you had an umbrella if you went outside. No, that ain't going to help. Or maybe a tennis racket. You can lob them over the neighbor's fence. The, so, like, they're going through solar panels, then through the roof below the solar panels, then through the ceiling below the roof. Oh, geez, where do you go? Um, yeah, pretty much. Well, that's with P 
people with tile roofs had a real bad day. We got a tin roof, but it's still mangled, like it's all dented up and everything. Um, and you had solar panels too, I saw. Yeah, three month old solar panels. So we're, we're three or four months, however long it's been. All gone. <laughs> so yeah, they're like they're not just cracked; they've got like holes through them. You know, like the windscreen right through the windscreen of the car. The one of these went right through it. Holy cow! I literally just topped out. I moved it. So we saw it coming. So I moved the car. As yep. I was backing the car up, one hit the windscreen and shattered. Oh, jeez. And then I moved it and got out of it, and one went through the windscreen. Oh. So, and... Um, you have to leg it back in the house? Well, we're having Cam's birthday party. Oh, no. At the in-laws. So there was, you know, a dozen people or more there, and there was yep. a good, like, six or seven cars there. Um, and nowhere to go. Nowhere to go. So all the cars got written off, and... Yeah, and then we that they lost the whole. The last count was like two hundred tiles need replacing, so they're probably going to just do the whole roof. Yeah, all their solar panels. That's all destroyed. Do you get a lot of water damage too from the? No, holes, the there was tree? there was no rain. Oh, just hail! It was just hail. Holy cow! That's that's. I mean, a good thing because there's no water damage, but probably another good thing because the hail was destroying gutters and downpipes and. I mean, say there was no rain. There was there was a, a shower of rain, but it was predominantly just hail. Yeah. Um, it was the weirdest thing. Uh, and wow. the noise. We heard it coming five minutes before it actually got here. Yeah. Like you, yeah. you could actually hear it coming over all the tin roofs and coming over all the, the towns before us. Like It was just this, like, sounded like a freight train just slowly coming through across the countryside. Yeah. Like, it was insane. We're around the back having a barbecue. We're getting ready for lunch. <laughs> looking up, because they're like predicting their storms. They're looking around. Yeah, they'll go around. There's a cloud over it's there. It's fine. Well, there's nothing. Yeah. There's nothing. There's a couple of white cloud, fluffy clouds over there and a big dark black cloud over there. We thought, oh, that's that's going to go around. That's not a problem. Then we just heard this smash. And like, what was that? <laughs> I don't know. You know, anyway, just continued having a barbecue. Smash. What on earth? <laughs> Walked out the front and the front yard is just covered in and we're like, uh, <laughs> okay. And then it just got faster and faster and faster and faster. Like, there was probably 10 or 12 big, like, actual individual ones, yep. which gave us a bit of warning. And then you could actually hear it coming and getting closer and closer and closer and they were getting faster and faster. And then when it hit, it was just a white wall of hail. Mad. Oh, it was it was absolutely ridiculous. Did you get any photos on Facebook you could put on the stream? Um, yeah, not as many as I, I sort of wasn't processing information at that point. Like it was, <laughs> it was just sort of happening around me, and none of us were sort of aware of. You wouldn't want to have any kids out in that and um, just go straight well, through them. They were lucky; they just got out of the pool. Oh, <laughs> so they were out. Everyone in the house. Um, let's see if this thing does this. What it's supposed to do. So that this is, so this is in Springfield Lakes. After we come back to my place, and then we had to take a friend back to Springfield Lakes. That's three hours later. They were still there. Then Springfield got destroyed. So oh. like you can see, like that's straight through the wheelbarrow. Like that's a plastic wheelbarrow. Just went straight through that. Yep. The timber on my barbecue, where you put yep. your plates and stuff, it just smashed all those. Um, that's. Yeah, polycarb. Uh, it just destroyed the Camry. There's just like you can see 
massive yeah. big dents in it. Like you can see the dents in the roof. Same as Mel's car. There, all the cars were just a write-off. Wow. There's a small it's one. That's, that's a nine centimeter one. So that's a small one. <laughs> <laughs> that's glass, just from my windscreen smashing through the car. I'll just say we had a bit of a loud shower and loud rumbling, <laughs> and then lots of wind, and that's it. And this is this is like a paddock um, down the road. Just that's all hail. Like it just looks like snow. <laughs> you know, like it's just. It's just ridiculous. I, I thought we were coming up to Australia down here. Is that right? Uh, it, it's insane. Let's see if I can find some photos of a. Uh, that was like a. That's the. Yeah, yes. <laughs> it's bigger than his hands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the. Let's see if I can find. Where's that video? It's. Yeah, looking at hitting the pool, like, it's just creating waves. Yeah. Nice. I see what you mean by not breaking up, they're just bouncing around. <laughs> yeah, they're just bouncing, there. there's nothing given there. Uh, it, was, ah. it was ludicrous. And like, that was the start of it, that's before it got bad. They actually yeah. had to stop recording and go inside because they're bouncing off the, they're bouncing out of the yard and bouncing under the cover and hitting them. So they oh, no. had to actually go inside. So they stopped recording at that point. <laughs> but yeah, oh, it it was absolutely ludicrous. Like just, it's you can't explain the noise. Have you guys had anything like oh. that before up there? No, especially no. here. We don't get we hardly even get storms here. Oh, okay. How um, is not unusual? It does happen. But that yep. size is really rare, and this location is even more rare. Yeah, yeah. Put those two together, it's something that doesn't happen. I think there's, the most I've ever seen is like Poppy. fingernail size. There's Poppy's good rake. Straight through. <laughs> <laughs> Holy rake. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've we've had, you know, like pea-sized hail and, and maybe a little bit bigger, maybe even golf ball hail. Yep. But it's never been that hard. It always usually yep. just disintegrates on impact. Yeah. Um, and I've never seen that big, nor that that volume either. Like it was just constant for like five minutes. Like, yeah, it just didn't stop. Jeez. You know, and we got off relatively lightly. Springfield Lakes got completely obliterated. Really? Um, Wasn't that like a newish suburb, Springfield? Yeah, sardine suburb. Yeah. Um, and that's part of the problem. And for some bizarre reason, they almost all had tile roofs. <laughs> um, so like. They yeah, well, at least most most people around here have tin roofs, thankfully. But um, I, don't know, I don't know if this will show up. We'll see. But like, oh, yeah, of course. You need to subscribe. Of I do. <laughs> well, we'll just look somewhere else. You're not the only place on the internet with news. That's it. I mean, uh, there will be soon. The way things are going. Yeah. Um. Wow. But there, that, that's like. <laughs> Just you know, just didn't we used to have tiles on our roof? Yeah, and but they got it worse because they had lightning, they had hail, they had rain, they had the whole lot happen over there. Oh man! Right, there's solar panels, like yeah, um, yeah, it's it's there you go. 
It's um, unbelievable. Oh, it, it really, unless you you experience it, like even though photos don't do it justice, like unless you, you know, it, it created that much weight in the ceilings, it was just busting through and collapsing roofs and all the bats there. Like it's just, it's one of those things that unless I mean, look at this, you know, like you, there's not a straight panel left on that car. Like it's, yeah, you know. Unless you're there and experienced it, you, the photos don't do it justice, and it doesn't matter how descriptive I am of it. It's, it's. it's I don't think I want to experience it. <laughs> I don't want anybody to ever experience that again, <laughs> honestly. But I'll tell you what, that's not a birthday we're going to forget in a hurry. <laughs> no, <laughs> once in every lifetime comes a time like this. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> and there's some businesses that are just. Literally, like their entire roof is solar panels. Not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, insurance I'm, companies weeping into their breakfast uh, cereal. Oh, uh, I mean, you know, the amount of devastation, and it's pretty much all of them. This actually, this is down the road from my friend where she lives. Um, yeah. The amount of devastation. It's not even. Um. You know, normally you get a hail through and you might get some cars and some tiles and a couple of solar panels. This is literally every single thing that was exposed to the elements yeah. is, is being replaced. All smashed. You know, like it's... <laughs> it's no if, buts, or maybe. That's it. That, that's, that's, it is going to be replaced. There is, uh, you know. Like, can we just rebuild the whole town? That's basically what they're doing. I mean, Springfield didn't have power for three days. Oh, wow. Um, because there was so much damage. It actually destroyed transformers on the poles. <laughs> and they're Hell. solid steel. Yeah. <laughs> Not much gets in them. You know. Um, when just, the internet kept going. Uh, well, they their phone towers um, were intermittent. Yeah. Um, but they don't have internet there at the best of times. But their phone towers were intermittent. There was no power. I... I as I said, the friend that we dropped back off there, we took I um took some of my off grid system over there so that she had power to run a fridge, at least, at least keep her fridge cold. Yeah. So she didn't have to throw all the food out, you know. Um, <sighs> and yeah, it was, she's lucky to have you as a friend. Well, she's also lucky. She's one of the few houses in there that had a tin roof. Yep. Almost none of the houses in the, around her had tin roof, and most of them by the second day were told to leave because the houses weren't livable. Wow. They were structurally unsound. That bad. <laughs> where do you go when there's that many people who have to leave well this is the thing isn't it like you know especially when you've got friends and families who are two streets away and they've got the same problem like it's not like you can go around <laughs> to their place you know um, and then I next, went in there. next time we get our family homes we'll get them all in different separate suburbs yeah far away and, and they don't all get hit it's not even that it was like yeah, the, the, it's not only how, where do you go, it's how do you get there because your vehicles have just been destroyed. Yeah. You know, <laughs> there's no available taxis in the area. No. You know, it's it's nuts. Like, we come out and there's just a Congo line of tow trucks coming in the opposite direction. Yeah. Just dozens and dozens and dozens of tow trucks with two and three and four cars on the back of them. Wow. You know, and they're all write-offs. Every single one of them, not one of them is repairable. Yeah, yeah. Um, like the neighbours next to where my friend lives, their car they got a Land Cruiser, and it actually the flat surface of the roof accumulated that much um, hail, it actually bowed in and buckled and collapsed. 
Oh, whoa. So it, the car looks like it's been in a rollover. Like it's flat, like yeah, a pancake. Yeah. Like it's just, it hasn't got a straight panel on it. <laughs> Smash the hell out of that. Oh, it's it's ridiculous. Uh, I mean, it's it's an absolute awesome display of power. That Mother Nature. Oh, it, it's, it was amazing to watch, but I really hope nobody ever has to go through that. And did you laugh and think this is Australia? Pretty much. That's how the song goes. I went, yeah, <laughs> typical. We're in the we're in a low storm, low risk area with we never have hail, we hardly ever have strong winds. It'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> and then Give you a lesson. After we were there, we went come back to our place and just I basically wanted to check this place and make sure it wasn't destroyed and other than a, our biggest damage in terms of water damage, if it rains, we've got a couple. Of, we've got a skylight that's out. We've got a lot of other damage, but that's like if it's going to rain, that's yep. going to fill up with water. Um, so once we saw this place was okay, we went back, and then just as we got back out of the car, heading back over there, we got another another lot of hail. Oh. But it was only golf ball size. Only. <laughs> <laughs> so she had to drive a car around with smashed holes through the well, windows. We did to get home. I had to. Yep. I didn't have a choice. I had to drive the Camry home to. Not when nobody else's car was any better. <laughs> can I get no? How about you? Can I get a lift? No. Yeah. Can, nobody can give me a lift. Are you serious? Pretty much. That's that's pretty much what it was like. <laughs> so. Thankfully, I didn't. One lucky thing that came out of it, I didn't realise we had a hire car on our insurance. Yep. So I'm glad, uh-huh. I'm glad we did because that was good. Yeah. <laughs> at least we got you that. got something to drive around. At least we got that for a while. Yeah. But uh, it was it was intense. I will tell you, it was absolutely intense. I'm surprised they got any spare hire cars. We got after well, all they that. don't. The, all the yards are, are empty now. We got um, one on the Tuesday. And they actually rung, they were about to ring us and tell us that the car carrier had actually broken down. And it, <laughs> it had taken four lots of cars to there already and they're on the next trip. And yep. the, yeah, the car carrier broke down. <laughs> um, and I was talking to them and they're like, oh, we're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to get a car because we don't have any. And then just as I said that, they, um, it turns out one of the other yards at like Rockley or something got their staff to drive like a dozen cars down to this yard yeah, so yeah. that they had cars here <laughs> but there's like you drive past the high yards in in ipswich there's not a single car yard that's got all empty you know wow. there's no no high yards they've got cars in them yeah <laughs> so plus that already de- that already you know destocked because of covid yeah that already reduced their stock and then this happens and yeah there's none <laughs> there's nothing. please don't let anything else happen <laughs> So, we got nowhere to go and nothing to do. Pretty much. So, yeah. Ah. So, keep keep his posters and know what's happening. But basically, the cars are rolled off. That much we've given. Um, yep. But I haven't seen the cess yet. Rung them. Turns out my insurance company doesn't have a 24-hour claims line. Oh, that sucks. They only got a claims line that operates during business hours. Because that's, you know, useful. Convenient. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I have to ring them again tomorrow and go, Hey, when are these people supposed to be calling me? Call me and say, Are you coming? I don't care when you make the appointment. Just ring me to confirm an appointment. So if you want to uh, help Will out with his raising money to get back get his life back account, you can <laughs> subscribe down below. Subscribe, like, share, go to Patreon. <laughs> speaking of which. Speaking of which. Patreon. It is, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> get <What>? in me, man. <laughs> 
Oh, you're trying to do a segue. You idiot! <laughs> so you can go to patreon.com um, slash Aussie Techheads. Um, if you want to, if you want to help us out that way, you can. All your all your support goes to um, funding the show and programs and software. Bill's and, new car. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> mile at this point. You have. <laughs> um. So yeah, so uh, we've got a few people there who are current Patreons who really help out. Um. So I'd like to thank uh, Kate and Bouncing Yellow Skull and Daniel and Amanda and David Bird and Chris for helping with those. Um, then we also have uh, Coffee, which is ko.fi, if I'm not mistaken. ko-fi.com. Ko-fi. Ko-dot. What did I say? Ko.fi. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm with you. Sorry. Not in Finland. Yeah. It could have been. That it would have been, been better, but yeah. it must have been already taken, right? <laughs> that, that, ko.fi. Yeah. <laughs> what bastard has taken that and not let them do well a two letter domain would be worth a fortune too it's just got the letters ko.fi turns up on the web page in big letters <laughs> so somebody only registered it just to say that they had it hoping someone will buy it <sighs> but yeah you can go to ko-fi.com slash Aussie Tech Edge you can get us there uh, you can donate um, that's more of a it's still sort of a subscription thing but it's a choose your own adventure sort of deal um, or you can, if you want to just hit us up and pay us directly into PayPal, we can give you the information for that as well. Um, and yeah, so that's, um, how you can help us out and it, it really does make a difference. Um, obviously the show's not monetized on YouTube and that sort of stuff. So we basically rely on donations to, um, incentivize, incentivize, incentivize us yeah. and, um, yeah, like, you know. As I said, through PayPal. Oh, yeah, Andrew G. He's our PayPal sub at this point. So thanks for that, buddy. So, yeah, um, that all helps and keeps us giving us a reason to do the show. So, I was expecting there to be uh, this domain can be yours for only $20,000 <laughs> or something. So I've been having a quick look around, but it just says that it's a private domain. But I bet they've got like contact me at ko.fi and they'll be like yeah sure you get it's like i got the jasonoakley.com and i was kept checking it every now and then and then some whoever owned it sent out an email to like a dozen people with the same name (laughs) say hey how would you like to buy this and i'm like no thanks i already bought the dot me so i didn't reply to it and then a couple of months later i saw that domain had expired so i bought it (laughs) I didn't have to pay any inflated price. I just bought it when it was deleted Normal. out of yeah, the system. Register. So it's fine. I've and then like registered it for 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> well, mine's actually just expired too, I just realized. Hmm. You don't use yours. No, it's only a forwarding. It's only a landing page. It's just good to have. Just yep. Basically, if I have it, then someone else can't have it. It's not a. It's not for any particular reason. It's not even a vanity thing. It's just literally if I've got it, nobody else can have it. And that just makes it. That little bit harder to, to be pretending to somebody it's, else. It's Mr. Tamkinson. Yeah, that's that's yes. that's basically it, but it's kind of <laughs> kind of irrelevant at this point. Everybody yeah. knows me. <laughs> everybody there who can be only one. Everybody who wants to know me knows me. <laughs> Even people who don't want to know me know me. <laughs> and we so, feel sorry for those the most. Each and every one of them. Now we've done the weather report. Should we go on to the news? Yeah, well, that it usually comes after the weather. You, you wait till we get to sports. 
This just in golf balls and tennis balls. <laughs> Over to the sports. That's it. Tennis ball size hail. You're used to hitting like keen toads over the fence, but not these big <laughs> hailstones. Oh, it was insane. You know, it's, you know, they're hitting, they're bouncing off the ground hard when they're bouncing off the ground and hitting a car door and denting the car door after they've already bounced off the ground. Yeah, you'd think it'd lose <laughs> all of its energy coming down and hitting the ground. Nope. No. You should see the divots in the ground. Like, yeah. it's ridiculous. Yeah, anyway. Play golf. <laughs> Optus is set to become the latest mobile operator to launch a digital-only brand, unveiling plans to bring the GOMO offering of its parent Singtel to Australia. Wasn't he a dude in the army? Yeah. <laughs> GOMO. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. GOMO. <laughs> Telco said in a statement that GOMO would offer straightforward subscription pricing and target value-conscious Australians seeking easy mobile connectivity. The announcement comes just weeks after TPG Telecom said it would soon be in market with full digital mobile virtual network operator proposition called Felix. All of these startups are effectively chasing a similar effect to that which Telstra has achieved with its Belong sub-brand, which, as of June this year, transitioned to a fully digital customer support model. Optus said GoMo will be managed entirely through an app that can be used 24-7 for onboarding, service and payments. GOMO will have full access to Optus's 4G and quickly growing 5G network. We know customers prefer digital service options, so we prioritize that in our offering, along with the flexibility and simple activation, so value seekers can get everything they want and nothing they don't. Optus said the decision to bring GOMO to Australia resulted from in-depth research of what consumers want and what they don't want. So that's, why, they, that that's why they're buying Amisim then, or Amisim. Well, we might as well transition to that while we're at it. I don't have the story. I actually, I, I can't. I, I have got it. You've got it, yeah. So, yeah. but that that would be why, like, they would be related. That that's why they're buying that to get their digital. Because Amazim, I mean, they've got that covered, don't they? Yep, yep. Amazim has revealed plans to sell its mobile business to Optus for two hundred fifty million dollars before winding up the company. The mobile virtual network operator said in a financial filing that if approved, it would delist from the ASX and wind up by June 2021. Amazim's current wholesale agreement with Optus comes up for expiry mid-2022, and the company indicated in August it could test the market for a switch in the underlying network. However, the company said today that it received unsolicited expressions of interest since and is recommending a sale to Optus. Amazim will hold an extraordinary general meeting in January to vote on the proposed sale. Optus is offering an all-cash consideration, and Amazim is proposing to distribute between $207.2 million and $225.7 million back to shareholders. The distribution includes proceeds from proposed sale of the mobile business, as well as a previous sale of its energy business. Amazim said it would provide transactional services to Optus for three months post-sale before delisting from the ASX and subsequently winding up. The company said Optus's offer real realizes the inherent value of the mobile business, including its strategic value to Optus. It also enabled the company to exit a highly competitive industry where data is becoming increasingly commoditized. We believe Optus, with its deep knowledge of operations, is well-placed to look after our customers and staff and take the growth of the business to the next level, Amazim CEO said. Well, there we go. Mm. You're going to be um, GOMO. Mm. SCOMO? How's that? No, anything but that. <laughs> no more scummo. Uh, dear. Yeah, well, we use um, 
well, one of our work mine bowls is an ASIM and we don't have it, you know, it's cheap and just sits there and does its thing and never seems to have a problem and network's always reliable, so. Might we be calling at GOMO and staying exactly pretty much the same as how you have been. Who are you with, That's GOMO? Name. Hmm. Doesn't have the same ring to it. You say it? you don't know. <laughs> what? You don't know? How can you not know you pay a bill every month, don't you? I GOMO. I GOMO, I GOMO. <laughs> so you know how the last, I don't know, Several years we've been hanging off things off Microsoft, <laughs> yeah. but specifically the last couple of weeks, how they've been uh, playing funny buggers with their um, their online only subscription services, yep. whether it's been the flaky servers, whether it's been email issues, whether it's been yeah, whatever. their email went out last week. Well, now oh, doc- word documents stopped working last week. Yeah, well, again, um, that's become a thing. Mark code they they fixed fixed in <laughs> <laughs> quotes they fixed their word so the word is working fine uh, but the code changes lock users out of Microsoft Office <laughs> <laughs> so an unspecified code change is currently preventing Microsoft Office web app users worldwide from accessing their documents in all app applicl- in all applications excluding uh, word <laughs> so. <laughs> 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 they fixed the word problem. It's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> See, the thing was before, if you, if there were updates, it might screw up some Windows computers. If it was Windows, if there was a word update, some people would do the update and be locked out, but not everybody. They'd still have millions of customers be able to access everything. This just locked out everyone. Yeah. yeah. And In uh, one go. When you now, go- this is what you're paying a subscription for. So that instead of... Maybe a few thousand or hundred thousand people getting locked out. Everybody is. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, it's basically anything you use through OneDrive now. Uh, yep. So OneDrive itself won't load either. So that's handy because that's only <laughs> all your storage. That's fine. Um, and it greets you with a something went wrong error message. So that's helpful. It did, it did go wrong. <laughs> it stopped me getting my stuff. Um, at least Microsoft has acknowledged the issue uh, and they're working on a fix that uh, is affecting Australian users. <laughs> They're working on a fix for the problem that is affecting Australian users. We're investigating the problem that may, be, that may be preventing users from accessing documents via the Microsoft Word app. Please refer to queue number in the admin centre for further details. We've determined that a recent change may have contributed to the cause and of impact. We're reverting the change and monitoring the service and status of health. So... So you yeah. work in a law firm, you're like, Kowalski, we need that contract signed by this afternoon. Can you go print it out? Nope. No? <laughs> We're going to lose millions in our customers. No? Yep. Why not? It's in the cloud and the cloud doesn't let me in. It said no. Computer says no. Yep. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. I mean, it's not like, you know, it's not like they're a small business who's just starting out and is experiencing teething issues, you know. <laughs> you know, there's a there's a thing called production over here and there's a thing called testing yeah. servers over and here where R&D you try out some new thing beta testing before you put and... it into production over here. You don't just go, let's just chuck it over there, cross our fingers and hope oh, something good happens. We've just we've just discovered this hot fix. We'll just we'll just patch that hot fix. It'll be fine. Nothing could go wrong. It's only a couple of lines of code we're changing. Everyone uses Google Docs anyway these days, <laughs> so much, who's it yeah. going to affect? <laughs> exactly. Well, it's, I mean, you know, 
The good so thing is Microsoft. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. They, they, they just go and do a couple of really neat things. Like they just released the new update for Minecraft. You know, yep. the amount of money and time and effort and R and D and backing and and testing they put into that, it's fine. It works perfectly. Nobody's discovered any major bugs anyway. No, no one's than, upset with them. No more than. Usually it's like, oh no, that thing was bought by Microsoft, so let's go find something else to do now because we're never going to do that one again. Yeah, none of that. Um, It actually works pretty well and people aren't complaining too loudly about it, which is unusual for a Minecraft update. Um, The only thing is you need that Xbox Live account going forwards if you're going to use it on the desktop. End of the year, I think. Yep. It's not yet, but yeah. Other than that, it's pretty good. You know, and then they something that they've had in development for years and it's not like it's a new thing and they've had plenty of experience at it, they get wrong. Yep. <laughs> and then on top of that, they they bought GitHub like last year or something and now the source code to the GitHub system has been leaked online, thanks. And that's only since Microsoft bought them. I mean, so. it's not like anyone uses GitHub. Yeah, it's fine. Just me daily at the moment <laughs> when I was making my Commodore 64 game. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's um just strange. The, the like we didn't do them because there's it's not unusual. But you this week's stories went through and looked at just how many data breaches there were. There's so the, many. There was, and they're all big companies. There was everything from Adobe through to um, government, ca- government government organizations businesses. and and like specialist organizations and it was just insane it's like the the good couple of dozen big data breaches and it's like how why these days it's like make sure you protect your network put all the firewalls up put the vpns up but we're just going to leak all your details yeah, anyway exactly so. it's like, there's What's no cool? point <laughs> it's you know it's just that's ridiculous uh, but yeah and so i don't know i mean what do you do you go back to the days where we stored everything locally and just had NASAs and SANS and Dropbox. But I mean, Dropbox—they've all had. With Dropbox, you got it here and you got it there. But with Office six three sixty five and stuff, it's there. Well, Google Docs—you can have here. Google Docs—you can have locally as well. Yeah, you can have offline mode. Yeah. Um, Dropbox isn't without its share of problems, though. Hmm. You know. They went through a whole like twelve month period where they didn't work on mobile devices. <laughs> Dropbox was doing really, really well. They they had a lot of people using them. They were reliable. They had the built in um, password generator. They had really good security. And then Android came out, and they went, "Oh, we're not supporting that." <laughs> and that was the end of Dropbox, pretty much. Then, like they just signed their fate by you know they they were supporting iPhone, but they weren't supporting Android. Yeah, yeah, and yet, like, people who use Dropbox predominantly were Android users because people who well, used, of course, yeah, exactly because people who were using the iPhone already had whatever their iTunes dealio yeah, was, yeah, the Mac Cloud thing, yeah. So it's like, so you're not really you're not really supporting iPhones because nobody's using them, even though you have an app nobody's using, and you won't support the majority of your user base. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> so Dropbox should have been a thing, but they they made a really bad decision and they just haven't recovered from it. Ridiculous. But yeah. Something I forgot to mention earlier, I got something in the mail this week. Do you know what that is? That is a um, uh, video converter for the Amiga. Yeah. I don't know yet if it works because it was should bought do. untested. 
There's only a, but everyone. There's everyone only says RF, it should be. Yeah, there's a, there's only like one RF modulator chip in, and the rest is all analog. So it should, it should work fine. Yeah, I plugged. I have all my um, both, well, all both my makers apart at the moment because I was washing the keys and everything on one of them and the cases and did the retro bright in the sun and everything. So I brought the motherboard in and this and the power supply and plugged all of those in and plugged this into the TV and I've got a magenta purpley screen. So I think I might need to plug in the GoTech as well. So it's got a bootable device there. Otherwise it's not going to start up properly. Don't forget too, you need to have it hooked into the case because you need the, the case as a ground plane. It takes all the RF interference out. So it's not sitting... The um, metal plates. Yeah. Everybody on the Amiga websites and forums and Facebook said take them out because they just trap heat and nobody cares about RF these days. The electrical components inside the device does. Mm. <laughs> it's not to stop RF leaking from the device. It's to stop the interference getting to the components. Oh, they were saying the other way around. I asked uh -huh. on like three or four different places... I just got these new Amigas. What should I do? First, take the batteries out of the expansion modules, then throw yeah. away the RF shielding. No. Plus, the RF shielding acts as a passive heatsink anyway. It's designed in such a way that allows airflow through it and it passively, it passively cools the system. I thought this kind of thing. I haven't thrown them away, but no. I was like, really? The people but yeah, there was like a dozen people on me. Just throw it away. No. Not, you don't even need the ones inside the expansion modules through those heatsinks. RF shields away. Yeah, they're, they're heat sinks for a reason. They're, they do too. They're RF shielding and they're heat sinking, but the predominantly RF shielding is stopping, especially now with proliferance of Wi-Fi and stuff like that. You've got stuff in there that's not was never designed around those frequencies because they weren't a thing when it was designed. Oh. So you need to minimise that. These guys don't know what they're talking about then. Um, I used to have um, a lot of, when I was doing um, laptop repairs, the early laptops behind the behind the uh, LCD screens or well, back when they were they were TFT screens back then yeah. um, but they had um, same thing they had a big ground plane behind them and over time just from opening and closing the lid the cable would break off from grounding it from the motherboard ground plane to the behind the screen and so oh, you get right. just a whole heap of artifacts in the display yeah. because you're getting all this in, all this RF interference coming through and it's got nowhere to go and it's just causing artifacting or you get a whole heap of dead pixels all of a sudden. And there one of these two, I don't know if I've shown it on the show yet. Go oh, tech. Plug your USB key oh, USB. into there instead of the floppy drive. You take the floppy drive out and pop that in. It's yep. like three D printed on somebody's yep. creative creality three D printer. And um Quite nice. Yeah. You had a couple of Amigas or something, didn't you? I've had all sorts of stuff, Amigas and Amstrads and Ataris and Commodore 64s and Commodore 128. And... About a year ago, I didn't have any retro computers. Now I've got the VZ200, or 300, which is in the cupboard, two Amigas and a Commodore 64C. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's... But I finished my Commodore 64 game. So yeah. everybody get free 64 magazine, particularly the Christmas edition, which is going to have the free download of my game plus... Diary of a game, talking about me making the game and also a feature in the current issue, my six, Commodore 64 Heaven. Oh, nice. Just a little story about me. So I'm going to be in like four or five issues of the magazine now. I've taken over. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So. 
Yeah, I thought I'd give give Vinny a few things to talk about in his magazine. If you want to talk about your Commodore 64 stuff, you can just contact free64.com and Vinny and do get send in a couple of photos, a little blurb about yourself, and you'll print it in there. You can talk about your old good old days and whatever hardware and software you got these days and books and stuff. Yeah, I think all my stuff's long gone, unfortunately. I know my uh, Amiga's still going. It's been through about five people since I got rid of it. Wow. <laughs> I know where it actually still is. I know who's got it at the moment. Yeah, it's it's still it's still plowing through. Still going. <laughs> yeah, it's had a hard life, that thing. They don't make them like they do back then. They really don't. That's a, no. very true. Uh, the Supreme Court in New Zealand ruled that file sharing site MogulKim.com, you remember him? <laughs> we talked about him a while ago, can be returned to the US to face copyright charges, but has also overturned another lower court's decision granting him the right to appeal. The BBC reports the court ruled that Kim.com and his three co-accused were liable for extradition on 12 of the 13 counts the FBI is seeking to charge them with, but it also ruled that the Court of Appeal had erred in dismissing judicial review requests from Mr.com and granting him the right to continue with them. The FBI alleges that Mega Upload facilitated copyright infringement on a huge scale, but Mr.com's lawyers argue that the website was never meant to encourage copyright breaches. If he's extradited, he faces a lengthy jail term. Dotcom tweeted a statement from his lawyers which read, For the Dotcom team, and especially for Kim and his family, it's a mixed bag. There's no final determination that he is going to the United States. However, the court has not accepted our important copyright argument and, in our view, has made significant determinations that will have an immediate and chilling impact on the internet. Sometimes for some of these, you wonder if they're just doing it so they can make a point stop others doing the same sort of thing they are but they're not doing a very good job of it no i don't know how, how how can you overturn an appeals court the whole point of an appeals court is to appeal your original decision you can't overturn a decision to appeal your original decision until you have <laughs> it, until you have the hearing huh uh, but what what i mean i kind of get it like it was originally started as a online file storage that's yeah. that's what it was and it was done in on servers in unrestricted countries so it was non-monitored so whatever happened to go on there just happened to be on there it wasn't in, uh, okay. it wasn't specifically a, a movie downloading site well, it, the same as torrents right yeah well the difference was it it they stored the files locally yeah it was so, like a like a um dropbox Pretty much, yeah. That that was the thing that they come come undone with. Like, there's still a lot of torrent sites, and there's a lot of things, um, you know, there's a lot of websites that allow you to watch. Well, there's a lot of websites that allow you to watch programs, but they don't host the files. Yeah, yeah. they're just basically they're decoders and linkers for those files. Yeah. Um, whereas Mega Upload hosted the files, but they didn't monitor the files they're hosting, so. If you anyone could upload anything, any, anyone could upload anything, and they did, but they were based in um, in, in, in places usually get something like safe harbor, yeah, or but international waters, or you know, basically places where there are no infringements well, what, doing that. No, I mean, um, Facebook and Instagram and things like that have got what they call a safe harbor law, which means they're not responsible for what gets posted on their platforms legally. That's, yeah. So you can't sue Facebook if somebody 
uploaded something there because they've got safe harbor same for web hosts and stuff like that but see that's information rather than data predominantly so they look at it differently yeah they this is what their argument is the copyright you know how can somebody take a news article and share it and that not be copyright but if somebody takes a movie and shares it it's copyright like what's the difference it's something yeah, that some, it's something that somebody's created you know so it's either it's either copying content or it's not copying content you can't pick and mm. choose the content <laughs> so you know um but i mean they've taken the they've taken the term of piracy all out of they've misconstrued it to the point of non-recognition anyway so it's know. like the aaron schwartz thing where he downloaded all the um articles that were from free journals and he wanted to get a copy of them all which were free on all websites but he just downloaded them all and wanted to store them where people could get them from the one place instead mm. of looking a dozen places and the fbi hounded him so much he killed himself yeah and he didn't do anything wrong they're all legally free anyone could download it from anywhere he just wanted to put them all in one place Have for everyone to help them out yeah and the fbi jumped down him and hounded him till he got rid of himself yeah well that's, uh, this is the thing with wiki uh wikipedia um there was a device that i can't remember it was amazon somebody wanted to bring out and the idea was to store basically all of wikipedia on this device so it was all accessible at your fingertips and wikipedia didn't have a problem with this especially given that they're going to give like 10 percent of every sale to wikipedia to help support them yeah. but the authorities never allowed the device to exist because they were worried that one person could have too much information i guess I don't know what they're worried about, but they, they said the, you know they said the device is in breach of all sorts of laws and copyright infringements, and, and they're like, but it's not because all that information is public domain. But apparently, like, because their their argument ultimately come down to well, people are buying the device, therefore you're selling the data, therefore you're selling public domain information, which you're not allowed to do. Yeah, and they're yeah. like, no, we're selling them the device, and we're pr we're giving them a SIM card that has, or we're giving them an SD card that has all the information on it. That's free. Or if they want, they can download it. The device. A lot of it comes for. down to what lawyers want, isn't it? That right. isn't always what the original people like. I was reading today how uh, Mad Magazine had been sent mm -hmm. to cease and desist for doing a parody of Star Wars. And so they photocopied and sent back a letter that they got from George Lucas, who was a fan of the magazine, said, that parody you did of Star Wars is just brilliant. I love it. This is fantastic. Do whatever you want. You, yeah. can, you, you got my full permission because I love this parody. And the lawyers are like, oh. <laughs> Maybe we should check with the boss first. And the same, yeah, same <laughs> thing you were saying about Wikipedia. Like the people who run Wikipedia were happy with it. Yeah. But they still got sued by someone who's not the person who yeah. owns the uh, it's ridiculous and it happens all the time like in even in our industry we have one of our brandings maxon batteries and there's a company in like italy or france or something that make like i don't know elephant skin rugs or whatever it is they make and they're complaining that our name sounds too much like theirs therefore people are going to get confused therefore we're in breach of copyright so they might go to buy a rug and they accidentally get a battery sent to them and they're like, well, this yeah. is not what I ordered. Yeah. They go to, I am so confused. <laughs> they go to Italy to buy a rug and end up buying a battery from Australia and don't know what happened. Yeah. You know, you can get Linux <laughs> soap and Linux 
um, mints that you can eat and um, stuff. Yeah, I, I know. It's... If it's in a different area, that's why Apple got in trouble when they were doing Apple Music because they mm. got sued by Apple Records. Yeah. And they said, you can't do music. They're like, oh, we're not doing music. It's just the, just the thing that lets people play tunes on their phone. We're not actually playing music because they're like, well, we're Apple and we made records. You're Apple and you're doing digital music. People get confused. They're like, no, no, don't worry about it. And then they went and started selling music anyway as Apple Music after all of that. Yeah, I know. It's, and it's like when Toys R Us went after everybody had a reverse R in their name. Yeah. Uh, I was just saying. But if, um, if you're doing toys and their toys, but this is. But like babies are Apples and oranges. And, yeah, babies or, are us and shoes are us and, you know, food is. Chalk and are cheese. Us and, you know. Oh, rugs are the, uh, you know, I think it, I think it came down to the fact that if you have a rug in your house and you rub your feet on it, <laughs> you, you build up static a static <laughs> electricity, which is kind of like a battery, isn't it, Mister? I think you'll find that legally it's kind of a battery. That's probably where they go. I am not a lawyer. Uh, Raiders in the chat room is just saying that um, Dashcan owners Australia, which is awesome. If you haven't watched their videos, go and check them out. I watch right. so much of their stuff. <laughs> I just sit here. They do a compilation for a whole year. Uh, you just sit here go, yo, Pollock, what the hell are you doing? Uh, and you sit there and go, I know that intersection. I know that intersection. I drive yeah. through that one all the time. <laughs> um, but I nearly just, saw one of those things happen. He's just saying that they've been given a takedown notice um, for using public footage on public roads. The hell? People send it <laughs> be, to them. It must be Dan. He doesn't I'm want the it. one who recorded this. I own the copyright to it. I'm giving it to Dashcam because I want them to show everybody this stupid thing. It must be it must be Dan and Victoria doesn't want all this stupid to leak out. <laughs> Man, what the hell? Anyway, so the Raspberry Pi 400. This doesn't thing. that look awesome? It's like half of this keyboard. You chop that in half. And it's that size, but it's got a full keyboard and a Raspberry Pi in it. Then this thing just appears out of nowhere. The bring makers, it up, bring it up. We want to see it. The makers, it's beautiful. Um, the makers of the Raspberry 4 Pi have today unveiled the Pi 400 compact keyboard with integrated 4 gig RAM Raspberry Pi 4. Um, it's so, like your, your ZX and your VZ computers and Commodore 64 that's got a computer built well, into the keyboard. That's what they were going for. They said, look, yeah. when people learnt to compute back in the day, that's what they had. Yeah. And it's the same principle. You can see it's Broadcom quad-core. Actually, the funny thing is this is actually more powerful than the Pi 4. Retro guys just lost their minds and ordered the whole lot, and they sold out in yeah. like 10 seconds. <laughs> that was nuts. Um, They're like, every every single one of them is like, I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I, I had want... to have it. That's all. I know. I got, I got, I got like 20 of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so that's why I'm familiar with Raspberry Pi. They started off... Um, they started off back in the day with just the Raspberry Pi, which is what they call SOC um, system on a chip. So that's the original one, you know, relatively chunky, but not not too bad. Still Had works like 256 fine. 256 um, RAM. 128. 128. Yeah, this is originally 128. Then the, the A Plus was 256. Um, and then they sort of got smaller and smaller, and like that's a Pi W. So that's actually... That little chip, that little system there, is actually more powerful. It's a faster processor and more memory than that one. Um, and then Did they you went, get a zero. Hey. Did you get a zero? That's a zero W. So that's, oh, the, that's wi- zero. the Wi-Fi zero with Wi-Fi. Oh, 
Right. Um, that's what I was running Octoprint on until it decided to... Well, actually, it turns out it's Passfly. Oh. Um, but that one, and then they went to like the three, then the four. So the four ended up being a, um, a quad-core uh, A72 um, processor, but it was slightly slower. It was a 1.6, I believe. 1.4, 1.6 processor quad core whereas the one in this in this is actually a quad core 1.8 and the passive cooling on it is um so good that they can run at 2.4 which is as fast as you can set the clock speed um, they got one of those metal plates like the, the mega that you're talking about yeah <laughs> passive cooling ground plane um, and it works so well that it's almost as good. There's a cooler called an ice cooler, which is a full-on liquid cooling system you can get for the Pi 4. Yep. And the passive cooling in this at 2.4 is only just behind the ice cooler. So wow. you can run them really fast. You can run them at 2.4. Um, they come with 4 gig of DDR4 RAM. They've got dual-band Wi-Fi, Bluetooth 5, gigabit Ethernet, two USB 3 ports, and they have two USB 2 ports, but one is by default used by the keyboard, so they've only got one yep. available. Um, they've got the, the standard 40-pin GPIO um, connector, which is all your input-output stuff, all the M-Log stuff, the stuff that you buy the Pi for. Um, it's got two by micro HDMI ports, supporting 4K at 60 frames each. So... <laughs> That's pretty intense. And you could put Linux or Windows or 10 on it. Yeah. And run fine. Exactly. You wouldn't need a whole computer. You just get that one little thing. Don't upgrade. Yeah. Don't worry about viruses and stuff if you put Linux on it. But if you put Windows on it, you can still run it very fast and yeah. do all your Facebooking and your emailing. and Micro SD card slot. Five, it still runs off 5-volt power supply, which means if you've got one of these um, phone charger pack things you can take to charge your phone, you can run them off that. So... You can yep. have a portable system. Um, the, one of the guys I was reading the reviews, um, he actually just to try it. He he used the Raspberry Four for a month as his main computer. So yep. he did all his. He's a YouTuber, so he did all his video editing on it. He did all his processing on it. He did all his upload. He did everything on it for a month. And he said, obviously, he's been spoiled with his more powerful PC. But he said, there's absolutely no reason they're not functionally usable as a daily computer. Yep. You know, yep. and it's only a hundred bucks. You don't have to worry <laughs> about those uh, UMPCs, the micro Intel ones and stuff, or the NUX. Yeah, the NUX. Yeah, and they're harder. They're, they're replaceable. They're a third or a quarter of the price of a NUX. I mean, these are only a hundred bucks. Whereas, uh, is your Plex Media Center on tape to the back of your TV with double sided tape? Well, I've got I've got a Android 4K Media Center thing, which was I think it was eighty bucks. So yeah. it's, it's almost the same price as this, and it's only usable as a media center. Yeah, this can be anything. <laughs> you know, um, admittedly, you, I mean, all you got to do, you, you get to your desk, you plug your mouse in, you plug your power supply in, you plug your HDMI into your monitor, you're good to go. You know, and really, you can actually get a four-inch um, touchscreen or a six-inch touchscreen to go with it. So realistically, you, if you rent a power pack and a six-inch touchscreen, you've effectively got a laptop. Yeah, you know, for hundred and fifty. You don't need your iPad Pro so, no more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. I so. mean, I'd rather. I see. This is the thing. I have an iPad Mini, and I have a really, really old. Well, it's not old. It's a crappy HP Stream 11, 11 inch netbook 
but it's got a full keyboard. Yeah. So I put a, a light Linux on there and I do everything on there if if it's next to me out in the lounge or whatever. Yeah. Because the iPad, I hate typing on that screen, screen like yeah. this. Or even if you can draw and stuff, <clears throat> it still gets what you type wrong half the time, but you got the full thing and you just type it. Well, we got a new Samsung tab for Son because our our we we got the original like um the original Samsung tab and tab A. So, you know, they're going back what seven eight years now so they're starting to get too slow to run a lot of the new programs um but with part of that we got a bluetooth keyboard for it and it's basically the same size as that as that pi keyboard like it's a full-size keyboard yeah. makes it, it completely transforms it from just a tablet to a usable you know we can go on holidays and we can catch up with all our emails we can do all the stuff we would do at work yeah on this tablet now you know That's but it's five six hundred dollars and whereas yeah. this pi is a hundred bucks you know, so and probably more powerful and oh, it more, is more stuff. Well, it's certainly more versatile. Yeah. You know, because there's still limitations to what you can do on a tablet. Yeah. But could you imagine, like, even with this thing being as powerful as it is, you could run, I think they say you can run like four or five, you know, you can run easily four instances of Octoprint. Yeah. So you've got the keyboard and mouse and everything literally there, right? You know, running the Octoprint like you don't need to go if something goes pear shaped and you can't SSH in, you've got to go find a keyboard and plug it in. All <laughs> that pain. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, that's definitely pain. So, no, I just saw that and I'm like, I, I, I will wait a couple of months until they, they work out a couple of bugs it's going to have because let's face it, it will early release. And um, in a couple, I think months, Element 14 have got them. Ah, uh, they've got no stock, but they do. Oh, they got too. Yeah. Element 14 is out of stock. Uh, Little Bird's out of stock. Yeah. <laughs> there's. Who's the other one? There's another one that was really common in Australia that had those kind of things. There's two or three of them. A big supply, official supplies. And they're all out. Yeah. There are none in the country at the moment. I I just out of curiosity went because I was checking on pricing. Yeah. And they're all about 100 bucks, but they're all unconfirmed as to next shipment. So, <laughs> depending on what the. Oh, even you might picked them up. So. There's a couple who have picked them up, but they're not necessarily official suppliers. Oh, okay. Which, they just buy a batch of them. Yeah, which, look, honestly, with what the Pi Foundation does, I'm happy to pay them because it's effectively the same price, but I'm happy to buy it off official official Raspberry Pi Foundation. Yeah, like Element or something. Know, yeah, because you know that the money that they... Because the, the Pi Foundation's a voluntary foundation, effectively. And they're working with all open source because nothing on this is proprietary. It's all open source. Like there's a million ripoffs, whether it's Banana Pie or, you know, there's a whole heap of different ripoffs of the same chip. Um, and even with like um, RetroPie, it's a Commodore 64. It's an arcade machine. It's a Spectrum. Right. It's an Amiga. It's so I'm happy to support the developers and you know for what they've done. Yeah, they've come full I circle. I still got the three B plus. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they've they've come full circle with the original idea. The original idea was to create a development chip that people could learn to program on and learn learn hardware inputs outputs. Yeah, which they have, but to some degree, the Arduino topped them in that regard. Um, they pivoted to because something better. the Arduino is a real time processor. So if you're trying to run stepper motors, if you're trying to run things that are driving something in real time, the Arduino does a much better job of it. It's not as it's not as user friendly, but it's better for direct hardware integration. Whereas things like the Pi are more of an amalgamation. So a Pi can run an Arduino or can run 
all this stuff, take the data from that, amalgamate it, and then do something with it. So they work really well hand in hand. Um, and that stop making me want to buy a 400. And did you see why they called it 400? (laughs) No, I didn't. They said it was a throwback to the Amiga 500 because people used to have the all in one keyboard thing back in the day. And they said, we want to do a throwback to that. So we called it 400 instead of like a five or something. But all those old ones, whether they're a gaming console, whether they're a keyboard with a (laughs) brain inside it, they're all integrated. That's all you'd buy that. And then the monitor and the accessories are all VZ200. You know, Commodore 64, Amiga 500, the Tandys, the Acorns, the Amstrads, uh, you know, exactly. Crash 80. They're all that. That's That was the principle they realized. And a lot of that, once again, was to do with not necessarily being compact because they weren't realistically that compact. But a lot of it was to do with integration and usability. Like, you've only got to go and plug one power supply in, plug your monitor in, you can use it. Yeah. Um, but on top of that, once again, like the passive cooling, by putting a keyboard on it and putting a, st- a structure around it, you're taking something that would be this big with basically no room to have cooling or integration or anything like that and making it 10 times, making the physical case 10 times larger, even though it doesn't actually have to be. But yep. suddenly the cooling infrastructure and the ability to withstand, um, you know, make your, for example, make your micro SD port more robust because it's mounted better. Um yep. That's sort of the the they're the innovating in a backwards way, if that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> they're taking known principles and reimagining them to work with modern technology. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> brilliant guys, they are. Oh yeah, brilliant people on the ball. So, so you've heard of Trey Parker and Matt Stone, best known for their cartoon South Park. <laughs> yes. Well, now they've created a new comedy deep fake series called. Sassy Justice. Yeah. The star of the show, Fred Sassy, is a local news reporter from Cheyenne, Wyoming, with the face of US President Donald Trump. Other notable characters include um, Dialysis King, Mark Zuckerberg, politicians like former Vice President Al Gore and White House family members Ivanka Trump and her husband Jared Kushner also appear. Kushner is portrayed as a man-child. If that sounds completely bonkers, it's because it is. They're all actually deep fakes generated using machine learning algorithms. The faces have all been superimposed onto the bodies of actors. Not only is it pretty funny, the quality of the technology is shockingly good. The transitions and subtle facial expressions are smooth, apart from Zuckerberg, who appears as robotic as ever and making it all the more realistic, really. That's it. <laughs> yeah. No, it's good. I've watched it. I've watched a few of them. It's quite funny. This one's actually um, Michael Caine. An interview with Michael Caine. Oh. <laughs> so. <laughs> He's got to get someone what's going to sound right, Michael Caine, right? Voice, voice, and what is a fake voice? And uh, you know, a, a human being couldn't be a good enough impersonator or. Actor. Right, that'll do. We're going to get a strike from <laughs> Facebook and YouTube and everybody. Impersonations and dubbed voice. The perfect. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's so funny. It's it's good. But, Did you uh, see the um, deep fake interview where they had Robert Downey Jr. and Tom Cruise? Tom Cruise and, and, uh, yeah, the other old guys in there. What are they? What are those guys called who do that show? Oh. I can't remember. I know the one you're talking about though. 
I'll bring it up. Here we go. <laughs> uh, Collider. Yeah, right. The guys called Collider. They apparently they do a few of these because I mentioned someone. They're like, oh wow, it's the Collider guys again. Yeah, they have um, George Lucas who's half asleep through all the interviews. So, yeah, yeah, but he yeah. always. Oh yeah, yeah. We did that in yeah Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, Judd, yeah. yeah. But if you've actually ever watched him in interviews, that's what he's like. He's always yeah. sleeping, eh? And then Tom Cruise, and he's like, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's very full of energy. That's what I think. And then, um, oh, who else? What's that other guy's name? Jeff, Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. He's got his hands on the table, yep. and he's always, you know, <laughs> talking like this. And I think I think that, that that's exactly, yes, that's what I think too. Yeah. And then uh, Chris, what's his name? Ewan McGregor. Ewan that's McGregor. right. Yeah. What's oh, funny though is currently the currently they're labeling labeling them as deep fakes, but it's not going to be that long until they don't, and you're not going to yeah. know who actually said what. <laughs> they're getting scary good. Some of them, and some of the deep fake stuff is really, really good, and you're not going to know legitimately. If it's real, well, or not. Microsoft is doing a deep fake detection system now, so they can say this is actually faked. But who, who, who on whose grandma or bloke down the road got sent something on their phone, which was you know, so and so politician said this. Look, here is it. It sounds like them. It looks like them. It must be them. That's right. They're not going to go. Well, I just. I'll, I'll just ask Microsoft if this video is real. Yeah, that's it, and that's that's not going to happen. Yeah, unfortunately, we're doing the whole Photoshop. You know, there was the whole thing. Oh, that's not real. That's Photoshop. But now that's legitimate thing in video. I can tell by the pixels. Yeah, you know, and it's the same thing's going to happen with videos unless you got that technology to literally do that, count the pixels and count the distra- discrepancies, and you, you just have to take at face value. You just believe what you see. Yep. You know. and it's probably not real. Probably not. <laughs> So you've seen some of the, are they they're good episodes, the Sassy Justice? I've only watched, I think I've watched the first one and then a couple of clips and yeah, they're quite funny. It's good. All right. I'll have to check it out then. <laughs> no. Um, what was I talking about? A couple to wrap up? Yeah, a couple of quick ones. NBN Co. could have its first gigabit ready FTT service in a year, although they asked you not to actually hold them to that. They've predicted that up to gigabit speeds will be possible in its fibre-to-the-curb footprint within the next calendar year. Although, don't quote me on that. That's what CEO Stefan Rue asked. They may or may not have something <laughs> good coming along, but we can't say if it's real. Pretty much. Speaking to the NBN Senate Committee on Wednesday, Rue provided extra detail on the $100 million planned FTTC upgrades between now and 2023 that were announced late September. The FTTC investments are part of the larger $3.5 billion upgrade program aimed at making more of the NBN footprint capable of supporting up to gigabit speeds. Because it was too hard to do it the first time around. Yep. <coughs> so anyway. So there's something to not look forward to for a while. Will <laughs> <laughs> um, I help you out at all? No, you need your whole thing recabled. We need our exchange redone. Yeah. Um. 2030, what, five? Yeah, yeah that's that's assuming that they actually... They get the act together. Yeah, that, that's assuming they start planning for it now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Google now has a VPN service. Um, Google's new VPN is aimed at protecting Google One users 
by browsing for insecure hotspots. So it's only a browser uh, VPN, so you might as well use Oprah. And the reason I say that is because it's... And it's free on Opera. Opera's free. The reason I say that is that Google is only available to customers subscribed to the two terabit uh, Google One plan, which comes in about 10 bucks a month. They provide an extra layer of security for Android phones by encrypting online traffic on all apps and browsers. Um, so it doesn't work on desktops and laptops and stuff. It only works on Android devices and only if you're a paid subscriber. So there's Fantastic, that. Google. Yeah, what a thanks. great idea. Yeah. Nobody else will know what you're doing, but Google still will. Mm, yeah, exactly. They're, they're encrypting. Can I have a VPN to protect me from the Google? That's See, what I need. They, they have multi-point encryption. It's better than end-to-end encryption because what they do is they encrypt it at your end, and then they unencrypt it at their end, and then they re-encrypt it at their end and re-send it to somebody else. So there's double encryption. See, it's much safer. Ah. Yeah, that's how. And it plus, works. you get all those targeted ads that make it so wonderful. That's right. You know, they're still looking after your best interests. Now, how much would you pay? I'd buy that for a dollar. Speaking of secure browsers, Brave. You can do my last story then. I'll just say that. Brave's a secure browser. There you go, done. Um, (laughs) Brave hits 20 million monthly users a year after its release. Now, this is after its official version 1 release. Brave's been around for quite a number of years, like 2016, I believe, in um, like beta form and uh, like nerds and geeks and... <laughs> very cramped quarters, but a year ago they, um, yeah, they went. Look, this is our version one, and um, it's it's good. Uh, it's, it, I don't know what else to say about it. It's fast, it's reliable, it's stable, um, it's secure. Um, but basically, almost four years later, so 2016 I started. Four years later, they released their version one and hit the milestone: twenty and a half million active users monthly. At the same time last year, the browser had 8.7. Uh, and of the 20 million monthly users, 7 million are daily users, which represents more than a doubling of the last three years. Um, nice. I was hoping it wasn't just going to be a fad. Mm. So Braves added that since Apple allowed browsers other than its own to be on the default option, it's seen the iOS users uh, increase by a third. One of the touted features of the browser is that hates ads will go out of its way to block them unless users decide to see Brave-powered advertisements. To that end, Brave has hit 2 billion ad confirmation events and completed 2,215 campaigns from over 460 companies. So even though they're opt-in, not opt-out, you actually have to specify that you want to see ads. Um, That's not bad. So they've had 2 billion ads with 20 million monthly users. So the click-through rate's 9%, which is actually, uh, I think Google's is... Last I looked at my analytics, it's about three percent. Wow! So, so yeah, so their click-through rate's three times higher than Google's. Um, the browser also has its own cryptocurrency, basic contention tokens that are used to tip creators. Thus far, twenty-six million of the tokens has been sent and, sent and received. Uh, the blockchain-based token is trading for just under eighteen cents, meaning four point six million has been sent from users. There you go. Um, so who said that crypto is not a not a thing? Uh, basically, and then they go through and saying, obviously, it's secure. It's got built-in end-to-end encryption and stuff like that. Um, in June, Brave was caught out for auto-completing certain URLs to append a referral ID, which was an oversight, apparently. They did fix yep. that. Um, I tend to believe them because they're not the sort of 
company that would intentionally do that. No. <laughs> um, I think what happened is somebody before they released a patch had been gone to that referral website and had just stayed in the the patch update. Yeah. Um, Let me just try out something. <laughs> you didn't commit that to the GitHub, did you? <laughs> No, definitely not on that oh, next patch. It. I didn't know. It's got my ID in there. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Brave Boast's twenty million number. Firefox is reported having ten times that number. It's at about two hundred and twenty million monthly. Um, Firefox market share is four percent. So Chrome has sixty-six percent of the market, giving it an install base of measured in multiple billions. Um, so, but I mean, you know, for a browser that's only realistically been public knowledge for t 12 months and of that 12 months, probably only six months have been people generally have been aware of it. Yeah. I don't think they're doing too bad. Yeah. I, um, brave. I use Brave on my, I've got a laptop out in the shed that I run my CNC programs and, and stuff like that off. Yeah. Um, it's running Windows seven it has to so the xp or seven because the software for the the uh cnc doesn't run on anything newer and it's a really old laptop and brave is the only browser that actually runs at a reasonable speed on that thing so i use uh, brave all the time out on there and it's getting to the point where i'm actually starting to get that impressed with it that i'm really considering swapping from chrome to brave i was just seeing if they had um mobile device version but they don't yet they're working there is a uh branch an unofficial branch that I have on is it on it might not be on this phone. Oh, okay. Uh, on one of my devices. That's made by the same team, but it's not part of Brave yet. Yep. Um, so it'd be a little bit behind on features or something. It's like Spike is the unofficial equivalent of Thunderbird. So Oh, and it says um, Brave has got built in Tor if you want to use it. Yep. Cool. And if you don't know what that means, you don't need to use it. Right. Kim.com wishes he knew about it back in his day. They, probably, a... they might not have had the Tor network back then. I know. Tor was around before anything else. It was. Yeah. It's the oldest network style. Ah. Peel back all those layers. <laughs> if you don't know what yeah, Tor is, I'm not mouse. explaining it. Ogres <laughs> are made of layers. Parfait. Parfait made leaves. Everyone likes parfait. Yeah, parfait may be the most delicious thing on the planet. <laughs> uh, like onions. Uh, thanks for listening to Aussie Tech Head Show Broadcast Weekly. We can be found at facebook.com slash Aussie Tech Heads, twitter.com slash Aussie Tech Heads, and youtube.com slash Aussie Tech Heads. Also now at patreon.com slash Aussie Tech Head. Sign up for $4 a month, $10 a month, or from several other tiers if you want to hear some fantastic, amusing stuff like we've been talking about tonight. Are you not entertained? No, See not the Patreon website <laughs> for details and coffee.com, ko-fi.com slash Aussie Tech Heads. Make a one-off donation of any size. Email us, Glenn at Wheel at Warlock at AussieTechHeads.com.au. You can hear Aussie Tech Heads on Aussie Tech Radio, 24-7 back-to-back play of some of the best tech-related shows from around Australia and New Zealand. New shows are added each Friday. We'll see you next time, guys. Bye. Bye. Oh, wait. That's me, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs>